Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the State of the Mars podcast, sponsored, as always, by our good friends at D1 Media Pro, the number one live stream in the state of New Jersey for high school sports. In this week's episode, we will talk about the football team's dramatic 21-20 victory over Scene Hall Prep to advance them to the semifinals of the NJSIAA Non-Public A Tournament. We're also going to be dissecting the rest of the bracket to see who are the final four teams remaining in the road to MetLife Stadium. Also, a little side note for you ladies and gentlemen out there. The track team was supposed to compete in the group championships this weekend, but that got postponed until Tuesday due to the rain that occurred over the weekend. So as a result, no 80s corner. I know everyone needs 80s corner, but we'll have it next week. We'll resume next week. The big man will come back next week to dissect the cross-country team and the rest of the program as a whole. But we have a couple special guests coming on this. We're going to find out who those are in just a little bit. We can always be found on any of the listening devices, on Apple, on Spotify, on Anchor, you name it. We're there. So be sure to search State of the Murders or follow us on our social media profile at Murders to see all of the exclusive Murder content. As always, I am your host, Ronald Rodriguez, with my two special guest co-hosts for this week's episode. So first, we have from the Talking Giants and the analyst for St. Peter's Prep football games on DMR Pro from the class of 2016. Let's welcome in Justin Pennick. Strong applause, Justin Pennick. Justin, welcome back on the podcast, and thank you as always for taking the time to talk some more football with us, buddy. Renato, um, second game where Seton Hall Prep and St. Peter's Prep square off this year, mm-hmm. and frankly, you know, this may be a little bit of a stretch, maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, but I don't care. I'm feeling <laughs> like this is becoming an Ali Frazier matchup. Ali Frazier, where these two teams are going back and forth. Thankfully, St. Peter's Prep came out. In both matchups, 2-0, they came out in both matchups with a W, but these teams are exchanging heavyweight blows during these games, and both of these games, games in Cave and Point, I, I hope just for the sake of you know fairness maybe next year that you know one of these, if they face off twice, at least one of these games is in Seton Hall Prep in West Orange next year. So certainly hope that's the case. Really, really fun, exciting game this past Friday night in Cave and Point, and I'm excited to break it down with you and our other special guest. So let's bring in the second guest. This guy is the play-by-play guy for D1 Media Pro, the voice of high school football, in my opinion, also from the class of 2016. Let's welcome in Kevin Connolly. Renato, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm distraught I wasn't there Friday night. I know. Um, we, missed I, we missed you Friday. I, I mean, I, I missed it too. Um, obviously, circumstances, circumstances prevented themselves. But obviously, we're going to get into it a little bit. But I certainly, I obviously have watched the game back. I was 
trying to keep tabs on the game as long as I could. I was at the Paul Friday night announcing their quarterfinal game against Immaculata. That got out of hand pretty quickly. But I did have I was was keeping tabs on the game as best as I could. And I watched the game back and I'm I'm ready to get into it. There's there's a lot of things that I think we we need to break down about this game. And I know that me and maybe you and Justin have some differing opinions on. We 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 do. We were the, the thing that was great about this game was that Justin and I were both in the in the press box. So like we're both dissecting our ideas left and right, right, Justin? We're just dissecting yeah. everything from the game. And the first thing I want to talk about, guys, is how come Sam Slade loves to face Scene Hall? Can anyone explain? Like, remember the first game, he went off like 200 plus yards, and this game, another 200 plus yard effort. I mean, how does Sam, Sam, Sam Slade keep doing it against Scene Hall? We need to find a way to put Pope John uniforms on the cornerbacks <laughs> for Bergen Catholics so Fitzroy Legister can, can go off. And we need to find a way to yeah. put Seton Hall uniforms on Bergen Catholic next week on those defensive linemen and linebackers. And if we can do that, then boom, we have the best offense in the country. No, but really, I mean, it's credit to Sam Slade for having two games against a very active defense. I mean, linebackers, these linebackers can go sideline to sideline for Seton Hall. Mm. Um, you know, the offensive line sometimes, you know, the pass rush can give – you know, fits to that offensive line too. But Sam Slade, a beautiful combination of patience, hitting the hole when he needs to, but then also when he sees that hole, he hits it, and then boom, he's off for an explosive play. Renato, it felt like, especially in the first half, felt like every single touch Sam Slade was getting, it went for 10, 15, 20-plus yards. And then because you have the rotation, Sam Slade would need to come out, you would need to get a breather, and the boom, Paul Lefkowitz is the guy that's going to get you four, five, six yards, carries a pop, and he's going to deliver a hit inside the tackles while he's doing it too. So Sam Slade, another one of those games where 11, what, he got 11 carries, Renato, for over 200 yards, so it didn't even, it's not even like he got 20 carries. 11 right. carries, a lot of big explosive plays, and if, you're, if you've been listening to the podcast all season, uh, you know how much I love those explosive plays. And it was 13 carries, so two or four was the official total. But guess what, Justin? 130 yards of his rushing attack happened in the first quarter. Yeah. So, like like, like you said, give Sam the explosive plays and then bring on the train as Paul Luckwitz. And you mentioned, Justin, how, how physical it is to, to bring down Paul Luckwitz. He was getting four or five-yard carries against – the scene hall prep defense that put six, seven, eight guys on the box all game long. Oh yeah, it was it was it was insane. Where I don't know if I've ever seen that uh, before, especially because you know Champ Long has quite an arm that can go down the field and have talented wide receivers on the outside like Zion Fowler's Fitzroy Ledisher. There were six defenses, just not even six guys in the box. There were six defensive linemen that had their hands down on the ground, you know, in front of five offensive linemen, and still you had Slade and Lefkowitz having success on the ground. And that's how you know that you are just physically dominating a game up front. And I think every single team, every single week, you want to be in that situation where doesn't matter how many guys are in the box, doesn't matter how many guys are on the line of scrimmage, you know, we're going to have our five or our six, including a tight end on the line of scrimmage, and we're just going to beat you. We're going to beat you one-on-one, and we're going to manhandle you at the line of scrimmage. And that's exactly what St. Peter's Prep did. So we talked about how great the rushing attack was. But this defense, Kevin, was, was pretty good, especially during the, the first three quarters of the game in which Cena Hall couldn't get on the score sheets, right? So what did you what did you think of these this Marauder defense against a, a very potent Cena Hall offense with Jaden Craig, Miles Thomas, and Nick Denham and company? 
Yeah, I mean, Renato, before the brackets were released and I knew that this could be a, a second round matchup, I mean, Seton Hall was kind of my, I wouldn't say upset pick because they were a top 10 team in the in the state throughout this season, but they were my upset pick really to to win the whole thing. And obviously that, that didn't happen. But yeah, the defense d- did a great job and we've really seen that all year. I know on the broadcast, me and Justin have talked about when this team has been slowed down, it's primarily been by their offensive struggles. And I think in the first half, it was the perfect storm, kind of similar to what we saw in the first three, four weeks of the year. Even in that first half against Seton Hall, was that back in September at Caven, where the offense was clicking and the defense was just stifling all, in this Friday's case, all evening. Um, It was just the perfect storm in that first half where – the, the offense was marching downfield. The defense was getting stops. And that's what led to that such big lead in that first half. So the main objective of the playoffs for any team is to win and keep going, right? Survive, survive and advance. advance. Yep, you yeah. said it, Renato. Survive and advance. Survive and advance, right? And, you know, it wasn't the perfect game. But I mean, should you imagine there was times that Prep could have easily put this game on ice, put it to bed. But they got the win. That's all that matters, right? So right. let's talk about everything that occurred in this game with the scoring plays. And Justin, wh- wh- who's the sponsor for the scoring plays this week? Ooh, scoring plays sponsored by Talking Giants, Talking Giants versus the world, the best Giants podcast in the world. A lot of YouTube subscribers, a lot of five star ratings. Come join the TG community. Um, you know what? Sponsored also this week, the road to nine and eight. The road to nine and eight. So the Giants are going to go nine and eight. The Giants are going to make the playoffs. So you want to be a part of that fun journey towards the second half of this year and after the bye, especially ooh, Monday Night Football going into Tampa and possibly beating Tom Brady. The Tampa Bay Bucks are on a skid. You want to be. You want to be with us when we have a reaction podcast. When we have our offensive line reports, our stats report, our mailbag podcast. We cover everything. Talking Giants brings you the scoring plays. And and Kevin and I are both Jet fans, so so Kevin's at the the, the Jets game on, on Sunday as we're recording, and we're not going to talk about the Jets. We're not talking about. We'll, we'll I, talk about I, I I wouldn't say I was at the Jets game. I'd say I was there for a little bit. Yeah, we did for a bit. So <laughs> so the scoring plays in this one. We're gonna go right into the first quarter. Champ Long a a, a bruising ten yard touchdown run off the option. He took the fake. I mean, broke a tackle. And then just bang right into the end zone. But he held on, got the 10-yard touchdown. And then Sam Slade later on that first quarter, 73 yards to the house, 14-0. You're thinking everything's gonna go great. But there was that big fumble right in that third quarter, Justin. Yep. That that changed the momentum of the game heading into the fourth, right? Yeah, and those things are going to happen. You know, what I loved on that drive, even before the fumble that ensued in the red zone, is that you still had another explosive rushing play by Sam Slade to kind of set you up inside the red zone. Mm-hmm. So because it's the playoffs, and I know, you know, this St. Peter's Prep was controlling the game the first half. And then by the end of it, it was very, very close. It was decided by one point, and it was decided by a two-point conversion kind of at the game. At the end of the game, that Seton Hall failed to do. And Renato, you'll touch on that. But... The play, I'm not expecting the playoffs to be a blowout, even when you get you get off to that 14 to nothing lead. So St. Peter's Prep did a great job of still controlling the game and controlling the game enough on both sides of the football 
to come away with the victory. And by the time that Seton Hall started to find their momentum, especially on the offensive side of the ball, it was too little too late. And Miles Thomason, the first play of the fourth quarter, he runs it in six yards, touchdown, 14-7. But then Prepper respond right back. Champ Long. I mean, this this throw was an impressive throw. Seton Hall brought the blitz. Champ knew where Zion was. He threw it in stride. Bang. Yep. 67 yards. 21-7 lead. Feeling a little more comfortable. But this Seton Hall prep team would not go away. They would make it 21-14 on a Jaden Quick. I mean, th- this play, Justin, that was, was a pretty crazy play. Jaden Quick avoided like three sacks on this play, if yep. I remember correctly. And they threw it to a wide open Brody Davis in the back left of the end zone. 28-yard touchdown. Made it 21 to 14. Then Miles Thomason, five-yard touchdown with 256 to go. Makes it 21-20. And then the call of all calls. They elect to go for two with the Philly special. And what happens? Incomplete. Incomplete. It was an underthrown ball. To Jaden Crick from the wide receiver. A great play by A.B. Power racing over there and breaking up before he has an attempt to make a catch. But boy, <laughs> what a way to end it because Logan Barnes. Yes, you heard this right. Logan Barnes on fourth and one from the prep 30-yard line. The legs to go for it. And Logan Barnes goes 23 yards up the right side. Slides down, ball game over, prep wins 21-20. I'm getting a heart attack even saying all this. <laughs> oh, that was a crazy, crazy, crazy ending to that game. Crazy ending. I, I'll, I'll, I'll just go out and say it. I hate the call. I hate the call. Well, which, which one? The two-point or the fourth to, and one? To go for two. No, the there fourth and one call you had to. I think that was – that was um, it, I, personally, so – Full disclosure, we were watching me and uh, Joseph Henry, who's a senior at prep. He, he's done some color commentary. He's done some camera work for the prep games on D1 Media Pro. We were at DePaul. We're in the car. We're watching the last offensive drive for prep. And first thing I said was one go for it and two quarterback sneak. When I guess I was half right, they went for it. And they did a, a – a, I mean, it's a little dangerous call there. I mean, giving it to a, a guy who really doesn't handle the football – but that's beside the point. I thought that was a great call to go for it. I would have had a quarterback sneak. But the two-point conversion call, I, I hate it. Yeah, we were talking about it before we, we started recording. I think it was a petty call, especially doing the Philly special, just because that's how prep beat them in the regular season. I think the stakes were too high. I mean, you're down multiple possessions. You come all the way back. You're an extra point away from tying it up. You have one of the best kickers in the state, Nick Conforti. I just think it was a real petty call. And with the stakes so high, you tie the game. Your defense was playing great in the second half if you're Seton Hall. Try and get a stop and see if you can end the game in regulation or you take your chance in overtime. But um, even if you're going to go for it, I hate just going with the Philly special call because it felt like once you knew they were going for it, the first thing you thought of was that game in the regular season and what was the play of Philly special. So that Philly special play had to be somewhere at the forefront of your mind. I just really hated the call. I would have tied it up at 21, and see where it took me. Justin, I know you want to rebuttal this one, so go for it. Rebut- rebuttal. I, I love the call. I, I, I really did. There was still about three minutes left in the game, and St. Peter's Prep was doing a good job all day controlling the clock and, and running the ball. 
you know, and if you prevented the explosive rushing play or, you know, not allowed anybody to get behind you when champ long threw the ball, but still that's a situation where, you know, I, I think you're, you're looking to run the ball. You're looking to trying to, to pound the ball inside the red zone. I would have loved to force St. Peter's prep, which it's about, it's also about execution. You got to execute on that, on that two point conversion as well. But even if they tied up the game, St. Peter's prep has been able to kind of move down the field pretty methodically. Even, you know, we talked about they had a turnover inside the red zone as well. So I liked going for two because there were still three minutes left on the clock. And if you do stop St. Peter's prep after they get the ball, then you can get the ball back and you could possibly use, you know, your your field goal kicker, you know, Nick and Forty, who is an obvious uh, an obvious weapon there. So um, I love the call. Obviously, it is extremely gutsy. You know, and then you're relying on your defense, basically not allowing a first down. You know, Seton Hall, you know, you only have a few timeouts left there. So I love the call. I love the two-point conversion call. But also, you know, what ultimately worked was the fourth and one, that little fullback defensive lineman Logan dive. Barnes, baby. Logan Let's Barnes, go. which we, I got to talk about that, Renato. You know, nobody expected that. They didn't, they didn't, that. They didn't run that play all year. You know, I, I you even saw the Jersey sports zone. You know, they they were capturing uh you know some highlights for the game and they even got faked out. The cameraman got faked out trying to look look inside the tackle, you know, look inside the tackles and the A gap and the B gap. Oh, where's the ball? Where's the ball? And then boom, this big boy Logan Barnes, <laughs> big man with ball, has the ball in a week where you know two uh two big men, uh two big men had the ball in their hands and making big plays. One of them Thursday night football, where unfortunately it's a touchdown that didn't count. And then Logan Barnes on Friday night, just one day, just one night later, big man with ball in his hands. He was pretty fast. Out of all the guys, like, you know, you think, oh, maybe maybe London Robinson gets in there. He's the athletic defensive end. No, but Logan Barnes, the biggest one out of all of them, he was running pretty fast. He did a good job keeping two hands on, and he slid, you know, at the end there to basically seal the game for him. So I like both calls, especially the fourth and one that ultimately worked for our St. Peter's Prep Marauders. And shout out to Jay Cook. Oh, Jersey Sports Zone, you know, does a great job week in, week out for all the highlights. Everyone on the Jersey Sports Zone team, fantastic job for what they do across the state. So let's talk about the players of the game. We're going to go offense and defense. I'm going to go with the offense. I think there's no hesitation when I'm giving the tip to this week. It's got to be Sam Slate. Got to be Sam Slate. The guy was a monster from the get-go. Again, he carried the ball. 13 times for 204 yards and the touchdown. I mean, he, even though he, he had he had the fumble that, that almost cost the Marauders, but, again, when he run the ball 204 times and he only passed for 91, I mean, that, you got to give it to Sam Slate, right? That's, 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 that's just the obvious choice there. So yeah, good yeah, the, flow, the flow of the game is a lot different when Sam Slate is dominating like he is. Yeah, it, it, it really is for for prep. But yeah. I know Champ Long has had some really really good games this year, and you know Pope John. We look at that game being like that was probably one of Champ's most explosive games as you know the St. Peter's Prep starting quarterback. But the game just has a different feel, and this offense has a different feel because Sam Slade is the most explosive member of this offense. So when he's at his best, it really does make everybody else around him that much better as well. Right. So, so Justin, I know we didn't talk too much about the defense, but who, who is your defensive player of the game? Yeah, my my defensive player of the game, it is going to be C.J. Wesley. Um, C.J. Wesley is a linebacker for St. Peter's Prep who, in the absence of Eric Perez the last few weeks, has had to be like that Mike linebacker, the lead linebacker who is going sideline to sideline, making some plays. Now, 
I think this actually did help C.J. Wesley have a really good game, but Eric Perez did return on somewhat of a limited basis, and they were limiting his reps. I was really happy to see Eric Perez back on the football field where I thought that maybe yes. he would be out for the year. So Eric Perez is the linebacker that's next to C.J. Wesley. Paul Lefkowitz was also splitting reps with, reps with Perez too, but Wesley's out there you know, almost every single play, and they're asking him if he's not playing linebacker in the box, and sometimes they would ask him to cover like the slot wide receiver and the wide receiver that's like closest to the tight end or closest to the tackle to go out there and be responsible and coverage. So Wesley was asked to do a lot this game. And this is credit to both Wesley and then also the St. Peter's prep secondary as a whole where Seton Hall prep, their game plan in the running game was to go outside the tackles, which I've been saying for two years on D1 Media Pro, the weakness of the St. Peter's Prep defense is outside the tackles because the strength of the defense is the interior defensive line. And if you're going to ask those guys to go sideline to sideline, you know, those big 250-pound guys, they may have a little bit of trouble going sideline to sideline. So running outside the tackles may be the move, but if you can have a linebacker like C.J. Wesley, and if you can have a secondary that can step up, make those tackles and make those plays, that is so, so key. And Wesley played probably the best game of his entire career. And then also credit again to the secondary of Coach Nas Oliver. They have these guys playing really, really physical ball. And also, I want to give a game ball to the secondary for their pass defense as well. Because there were a lot of two-man 15-plus yard routes that Seton Hall was running throughout the game. And Jaden Craig was running for his life. Not necessarily just because of the pass rush that got home, but... The secondary was doing such a phenomenal job in the back end, playing man coverage, mixing man and zone together, where nobody was open. And they did not let anyone get behind them. They were looking for the explosive play, and it really wasn't there until the second half or really the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. And like I said, by then it was too late. So credit to the secondary. Had Jaden Craig running all over the field because they didn't let anybody get behind them, which is awesome. Right, guys like you know Av Power, you know has has a little little cast on 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 his finger on his, on his thumb. You know yeah. he, he had a hell of a game. Jam Bounce, you mentioned had a hell of a game. Hell, even everyone defensive line too, Justin. Like yeah. London Robinson, two and a half sacks. Like yeah, and I, and I gave you know I, I give a lot of credit to Wesley and the defensive backs playing sideline the sideline too. London Robinson was going outside the tackles, making plays too. London Robinson, he's a he is a really really good football player. You know, I I, I don't know if it was the full on plan to have him maybe play as, as as much as he is. You know, with the injury to Miles towards the beginning part of the year. But I'm so glad that London Robinson's going to have a, a senior year to even get better. He's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger. London mm -hmm. Robinson is a very very good football player, and I'm excited to see him grow and develop another year. So. For the offense, you know what's the, the great thing about the offense in this game that we didn't really talk about? How great this offensive line was in creating holes, protecting champ all game long. I mean, this was probably the best game the offensive line has played all season. Don't you agree, guys? Yeah, I think so. I think especially given the stakes, I mean, you could probably point out where they had better games against inferior competition like – say in the opener against Paramus Catholic right. or in one of the games against Pope John, but given the stakes and especially what prep was trying to do, especially in that fourth first quarter with Slant, Sam Slade, mm -hmm. I think you said he had 130 yards in the first quarter. Yeah. I would definitely say this is, this is their best, the offensive line's best game given like this deep Seton Hall defensive line. There, there are no slouches out there. This is a tough yeah. physical defensive line that Seton Hall prep has. And I mean, D1 media pro, we do all Seton Hall prep games in the regular season too. And, 
I mean, again, that's why I was so impressed with Seton Hall and their, their defensive line gets after it. But the, the prep offensive line, I mean, I know they were a little banged up coming into this game, but the, man, they held their own and, and they really dominated in the first three quarters of this game, give or take. So the only thing that's, that's I don't know, I want to say negative, but something that the that prep needs to work on, on both sides of the ball especially, is the penalties, right? On the offensive side, they had six penalties for 35 yards. That's not good. That's not good. We got we got clean, especially when playing next week semifinals against Bergen Catholic. You know, they had 10 penalties for a total of 85 yards. We need to clean that up, right? We, we, we need to limit the, the amount of penalties, the amount of mistakes that are made, and the fumble as well. So let's 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 talk about the preview to next week's game, semifinals, Bergen Catholic. What do the Marauders have to do to go up to Orville and clinch their ticket to MetLife Stadium, guys? Uh, I think you, you hit it, the nail on the head first there, Renato. You can't give Bergen Catholic free yards. You can't give them free first downs. You can't turn a third and eight into a third and three by jumping off sides. And secondly, I mean, this is before any game plan stuff. You have to play a clean game in terms of penalties, and you can't turn the football over. That's that's that. Those are the two biggest things. Before we get into any st- strategy or get the ball in X players' hands or get the ball in Y players' hands, you cannot give Bergen Catholic free yards, and you cannot give them free possessions by turning the football over. It's, it's simple as that. And Justin, I know you probably get into more of the X's and O's, but mm-hmm. first things first, that has to happen. You have to play a clean game. Yeah, I want to get off to an early lead. You know, what Bergen Catholic is best at is dictating and controlling the pace of the game where they are going to play the game that they want to play. And you're you're going to follow it. They may keep it close. If they have to keep it close, then they're going to control the time possession. They're going to control the clock. They're going to use the quick intermediate passing game. I mean, their quarterback has over a 70 percent completion rate this year, and that's not from throwing the ball deep down the field but it is by utilizing the intermediate part of the field. But, you know, they have the talent where if they need to, they also still can stretch the field. But, again, it's they, they're choosing not to because large for the large majority of the games that they play, they are controlling the game. They're controlling the clock. They're, you know, playing good defense, and they're running the ball. So, really, I want to get Bergen Catholic in a situation that they're not used to. You know, they did play in a little bit of a shootout where they were behind early against Seton Hall earlier this year. So I'm really looking to that game seeing, well, what did they do? What did they do that led them to get out to that early lead? What did they do that they found success? Then they put up a lot of points on the board because, you know, last time around, thought again, you know, St. Peter's prep defense played a pretty solid game. Even though Bergen Catholic did, again, they dictated the pace of the game, but still, you know, what Bergen Catholic only scored 21 points. And if you're, if you're telling me that Bergen Catholic is scoring 21 points against our defense, then I think that, yes, we should relatively for St. Peter's prep, we should have a shot to win this game. So I always talk about explosive plays. Obviously those are going to be harder to come by against the Bergen Catholic team, but finding a way to get out to a lead because you saw, even though it was a close game against Seton Hall, Seton Hall's a good team. You saw that how St. Peter's prep was able to operate when they did have a lead, they did control the game themselves for the large majority of it. And Justin, I just want to add on to that. First I'll talk about, I mean, I don't know if it's going to play a factor, but Bergen Catholic having to really play a half of football on Saturday and Sunday. Like, I don't know if it makes it a shorter week. I don't know if that's going to have any impact on the game. Maybe it does. Maybe it helps Bergen Catholic. Does it keep them fresher? I don't know. I mean, 
I, we've never really seen this before where a team had to play a half on Saturday mm-hmm. and a half on Sunday. Now, I think it would have played more an impact had Donovan Catholic won and had to play again on Friday night, but the game's on Saturday, so I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. But I, I think, I know, Justin, I know you love to talk about explosive plays, and yes, Prep is going to need that if they want to win on Saturday, but I also think they're going to need sustained drives. They're going to need to put together yep. 10, 11, 12 play drives that chew up, I don't know, five, six minutes off the clock because this Bergen Catholic team, and we saw it in the regular season finale at Caven this year, they wear you down in the second half. I mean, yep. they, ha- they have a two running back set with Ryan Butler and Saeed St. Fleur, uh, and we saw Ryan Butler. I mean, the, the prep defense, they were just out on the field so much in the first half, third quarter, fourth quarter, they were just worn down and and – Steve Angeli didn't even have to throw the ball. I think I think he had less than 50 yards passing in that game. Yep. Bergen Catholic just ran it down the throats of prep, and and they were just out of gas in the second half. But again, that's why I want to get off to that early lead. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's good to want, right? But ideally, you know, if you're St. Peter's prep, the explosive plays, it doesn't matter how we do it to start the game, um, getting off to that early lead. Because if, you, if you're going to dictate how the game goes, getting Bergen Catholic uncomfortable and in that situation, oh, whoa, maybe we do have to throw the ball a little bit. And then you're talking about the strength of the secondary of coming up, making tackles, limiting the yards after the catch. And then what they did against Seton Hall was if they want to run two-man 15-yard routes down the field, we're going to keep everything in front of them. So that's where I really think it's important to get off to that early lead so then you can dictate kind of the flow and the pace of the game instead of Bergen Catholic doing it because if they get off to that early lead, then it's that's what they do best. That's what ex- exactly what they do best, what you said, Kevin. So on the other side of the bracket, so that's going to be the first semifinal. Well, technically second, second, because it's Saturday game. And the other semifinal, we got... Don Bosco going all the way down to St. Augustine. I mean, man, you saw how Delby did it going down there for a free plus hour trip. How how is Bosco to handle that, guys? Quick quick analysis on that. Well, someone else someone else be, might be taking a uh, two hour trip down to St. Augustine. That that's yet to be determined. But I, I, <laughs> I, I, I get what you're saying, Renato. But I, I I don't know if I can if I really want to compare what Del Barton did to what Don Bosco is going going to do because I just think St. Augustine is a better team than Del Barton. I think Don Bosco might be a better team than St. Augustine, but again, I could be shorting St. Augustine there. And um, again, I haven't seen them much this year. I have seen obviously Don Bosco a lot more, um, but uh, it, it's definitely a challenge. You don't really see a lot of. Um, three-hour bus rides for a high school football team to go play on a Friday night. So it, it's definitely going to be a challenge. I mean, if, if you think about it, for I think that might be a six o'clock game. You might have to leave. Yeah, it sorry, like, yeah. You might have to leave it like noon. I mean, give three plus hours to get down there, and then to go through your your pregame warmups, you might have to leave at noon, one o'clock if you're Don Bosco. So I, I think it's definitely going to be a talking point going into that game. But I'm, I'm not saying that's going to be the end-all, be-all. I definitely think Don Bosco has a chance to go down there. And now I will bring up that point of Don Bosco played, what, a, li- a little less than a quarter on Saturday? Right. And they basically had to finish their game against St. Joe's today. And I think it played positively to them that it was a blowout and they were could have able to rest, rest guys. But now having to travel down that three-hour trip on a very short week, I mean, you, you basically played your game on Sunday and now you have to respond and play on Friday in the semifinals. That's that's a tough ask. That 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 is a tough ask for sure. It's gonna be interesting, guys. It's gonna be interesting. We had two very exciting games. 
Hopefully, when we talk next week, we can talk about our Marauders going to MetLife Stadium. That'd, that'd, that'd be fantastic. Wouldn't you agree, guys? Wouldn't you? I'm getting goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps over here. I want two more Victory Mondays. That's what I want. Two more Victory Mondays. I love it. I love it. So, with the rest of the program, we'll talk, we talked about cross-country, in which their me in the non-public eight tournament is postponed until Tuesday at 3 p.m. from Holdell Park. So, if you're in the area, make sure you come out and support the team. They're going to need it. So, for all the updates for this race and anything cross-country, make sure you check out their social media profile at SPP underscore XCTF. That's at SPP underscore XCTF on both Twitter and Instagram for all of the updates. Lastly, the crew team competed in their last race this weekend at Overpack Park and the New York Rowing Association Fall Invitational. And while it wasn't the result that they wanted, they now are going to rest up, you know, going to prepare for the spring regatta season. So for all the off-season coverage, make sure to check out their Instagram, at Marauder Rowing. So a great job out there this week by all the prep athletes. We wish you all the best of luck as you progress towards the elusive championship trophy. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the State of Mars podcast. I want to thank you to everyone for tuning in. I want to give a quick thanks again, Justin Pennick, Kevin Collins, for being my special guest co-host this week. They do a tremendous job. Make sure you follow them at Justin Pennick on Twitter and at Kevin Collins24 on Twitter as well. For all their updates, also be sure to spread the word of the State of Morales podcast by sharing our social media profile at SRT Marauders to everyone you know and continue to check them out for all of the latest updates. Well, see you all next week. And as always, let's go prep. Hey, this is basketball head coach Alex Marivelle. And you are listening to the State of Marauders podcast sponsored by D1 Media Pro, the number one live stream in the state of New Jersey for high school sports.